Hey everyone, welcome to The Path of Me. I'm your host, Wendy Hutchinson. Our podcast features guests from all walks of life, living their most authentic and aligned life, talking about their journey, their path, and their inspiration in their alignment. And my guest today is an incredible artist. His name's Daniel Holman. I found him um, on social media, actually, and... I just feel like his work is so beautiful and so light and coded. I wanted to have him on the show. So welcome, Daniel. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Nice to be here with you. I wanted to ask you, you know, I was reading, I was reading up a little bit on your background and you said that what I found interesting was the first nine years of your life, you were attending Catholic school which is so interesting to me because I was also um, raised, I didn't go to Catholic school, but raised really strict Catholic, like my first 10 years of life. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit and see how that shaped you or your worldview or what your relationship with, you know, how did that impact you those early years? Well, I would say it gave me a little bit more of a um orientation and focus on spiritual things um i quickly outgrew it when i was about 13 i was in the ninth grade and i was going to uh a, a, a jesuit high school for the first year and um i i it was when it was 1966 67 when all of psychedelia and the San Francisco Bay Area was starting to explode. And I quickly shifted gears and just sort of, I remember having debates with the uh, some of the Jesuit priests. Okay. And I would win, you know, I mean, they would just kind of throw things <laughs> and say, oh, I don't know, well, yes, it's just a matter of faith. I can't argue with you. And I just, uh, oh my gosh, it gave me, uh, I think, a lot of um, baggage as well, like a lot of people that talk about the Catholic schools and the nuns and how they indoctrinate the kids. Mm-hmm. So there was that factor, but um, I was so curious about life just based on my makeup, you know, my 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 uh, astrological and my human design type um, personality and what I'm interested in, those types of things. And my purpose, all those things are defined in those systems. And I was very curious. So I was... Uh, wanting to explore things that are more, um, I don't know, more more deep and more accurate and um, more fitting to my needs, my psychological and spiritual needs. And I so I got interested in like Eastern philosophy and all kinds of things at a very young age. I was really surprised because you were saying when you were 16, you had to do this paper and most people would pick topics like someone, a sports hero they admire or something. And and you, you were, you know, reading Alan Watts and these other two, two books that were pretty deep and thought provoking. I'm sure your teacher was like, wow, this kind of is different from the rest of the papers of your peers, I would think. Right. That was a very profound uh, kind of a pivotal point in my life where I really uh, opened up some doors to uh, expanded realms and 
altered states and things like that, uh, which I could tell the story. But, you know, just the reason why I was so interested in those books and reading Alan Watts and I was reading Timothy Leary and all sorts of other spiritual type books at the time. This is in uh, like 1967, 68 and 69, that whole kind of high school period. And uh, what it was is I was so unhappy and so insecure. I had a really, you know, messed up type childhood like a lot of people do, right. you know, with a father that just wasn't present. And right. my mother was a very sensitive, really sweetheart, but she would had a, a drinking problem and got really sloppy alcoholic. I mean, like really sloppy. Yeah. And so I was like uh, very, you know, she tried to kill herself one time. It was just like really messed up childhood. And I was very much seeking to have, find some answers yeah. so that I could find some sort of peace of mind and make sense of my life and things like that. So that's why I got on that track, really. It wasn't so much the Catholic upbringing. The Catholic upbringing was... And like an indoctrination, there was something I could say, well, no, this is not aligned, aligned with what I feel and what I see and doesn't work for me. All the guilt and shame and all the different oh, things that they get involved in, in, in uh, religions and Catholic yeah. particularly. Yeah. Means of control, I would say, you know, fear is much. Means, of control, means of control. So that's a real deep in the essence of like of the nuns really was this kind of repeated message for nine years well ten years with the nuns and one year with the Jesuits which was basically either you obey our rules or you're going to be in hell for eternity mm -hmm. and what kind of a thing is that to induction a young a young impressionable absorbing learning young minds with mm -hmm. that type of uh indoctrination it was oh, just... my mom's from a similar era and she actually told me it was they were pretty violent they were pretty aggressive in their discipline the nuns at her um her catholic school my sister also went to catholic yeah. school yeah really interesting it's really interesting how we kind of plan our lives you know because as souls obviously we do create our our soul path and our life human life unfolding prior to coming in so it's really interesting the experiences that we place in our path that just kind of keep nudging us forward into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing when was art incorporated into your life was it something that has always been a passion of yours or did you pick it up you know a little bit later on your journey when did you really start to embrace um you know, your art, your artwork and your offerings here. If I was in high school when I was at a public school for my last three years of high school, after I left the Catholic school, and I took art class all three years and I did really well, I would get A's. And I had some good teachers that were just really, really nice teachers. And um, they would, and the other students would validate or kind of commend me on my work and stuff. So I developed this sense and I would, learn lessons like about pen and ink drawing in the class. And then I would go home and I would do more stuff on my own because I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I liked it. I was getting recognition, which I was, you know, hungry for at mm -hmm. a young age. 
and didn't get it in my family at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I would uh, do, and then this, my sister's boyfriend, she would tell me about how his room was all psychedelic with all this um, uh, day glow, you know, that stuff that when you do a black light, it turns all bright. Yeah. And day glow paints. Yeah. And he came over because she knew I was interested in art. And she had him show me what he was doing on my, um, I had a cover for my light in the center of my bedroom. And so we took that off and he was started painting on it. And then I finished it and made all this swirly psychedelic type stuff. And then went from there and started doing more and more. Um, I was basically kind of emulating the postcards and posters and some of the album art of the day, mm -hmm. uh, which was kind of psychedelic stuff. Uh, postcards from the uh, Fillmore and the, you know, the band, the bands in San Francisco mostly, because there was a lot of psychedelia going on and the art was kind of all trippy and weird and stuff. And I liked that. I liked all that sort of stuff. So then um, what happened was I, I, uh, I graduated and um, I had gotten into a cult because yeah. all these different things led me to this cult. I was kind of seeking a, a seeking some sort of um, uh, place where I could get answers to my questions and kind of deal with my hangups. I was actually looking for a guru, yeah. but I kept hearing about on the radio and from this local band that was famous uh, that they were in this thing called Scientology. Oh, what? I, I got into when I was 16 years old and stayed into it till I was 30. What? And, uh, I joined the Sea Org, which is their kind of inner sanctum, their dedicated members. You know, you commit yourself to it. And I lived for 12 years and I lived on a ship with L. Ron Hubbard and his family and a bunch of other people, a 325-foot uh, big yacht. And I uh, was like dedicated and stuff and became totally disillusioned after time went by because it wasn't what I was expecting. Right. And it turned out to be um, a real you know, disappointment, a great disappointment for me. It didn't deliver what it was. How did, how did you, so you probably had the feeling long before you were able to extricate yourself. How did you navigate away from it? I mean, if you're actually living and breathing it, you know, on this, on ship, how did you? Well, it started to get really uh, more what it's become today. It started to get more kind of militaristic and disciplinary and um, kind of punishing and all these types of things it was like, not what I signed up for. I signed up for some spiritual um, organization or system that was going to not only you know, help myself become exalted and become my potential, but I would be able to help others, which I have, you know, encoded in my DNA as, as part of my makeup is to uh, seek those types of um, understandings of life and myself and everything, and to share that stuff with others. And I've been doing that ever since, although you. I'm so curious. I want to know how did you extricate yourself from something that is so all-encompassing? Well, it started getting very, like I said, distasteful to me. Mm -hmm. And my sister was 
kicked out. She was in it with me the whole time. She was someone I grew up with. We were like really close and they kicked her out and her husband. And um, I was married and my wife asked for a divorce. And I thought, this is it. I'm not staying in this anymore. You know, I'm leaving. So I left. Okay. And boy, did my life change after that. I had been so restricted and so limited in my life. And I just, everything started opening up. And I started looking into other systems and channelers and reading books and yeah. going to uh, spiritual events and all kinds of things. And I just blossomed. Mm -hmm. uh, it, my life opened up and I had a lot of good connections and good, good experiences after that. It's interesting because when we're in it, we don't see the limitation, right? You're just so, you're in the program, so to speak. You're in the paradigm, so to speak. You're in the group, so to speak. And you're just so blinded because you're surrounded by people speaking the same narrative and reinforcing the message. And sometimes when we have the courage to just step out and say, this is not working for me anymore and move on is when you really spread your wings and fly. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful. I, I got rid of that one because it kept getting worse and worse uh, over time. And nowadays there's all these different people that are on TV programs talking about it and how, you know, how horrible it's become after I left, it got really bad. Dodged a bullet there. <laughs> yeah, I left in time when it was actually kind of fun when I was a teenager living on this ship. And because we got to do all these sea things as well. Like I was a lookout and a quartermaster and an officer of the deck and all these different positions that were related to being at sea mm -hmm. and on the ship. And that was kind of adventurous and fun, you know. And I always had jobs up until the very end that I was they were kind of easy and, and I enjoyed so it wasn't too bad until the end, and then I left. So anyway, that's that chapter. <laughs> wow. So then you went on, you continued on expanding, and I'm sure your art has evolved over time with you. Well, I never did any art from the time I left high school, or shortly afterwards anyway, uh, for 20 years, until I had left the Sea Org, the Scientology, and I was on my own, and I was reading these. Uh, there was uh, Joseph Campbell was on TV, and he was talking about follow your bliss and all these messages about that. And there was a book out that was kind of popular at the time. This is around 1988 or so, kind of the late 80s. And it was uh, called Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. And I was thinking, now, what do I love? You know, what do I, you know? Because I was training people on computer software for chiropractic offices, traveling around the country, being kind of a trainer. And it was kind of fun at first, but then I got tired of it after a while. It was kind of not really a fit, a good fit. But it wasn't bad because I like teaching. Um, so I thought, what do I like? And I go, well, I like music. So I got a a DJ job at my local radio station, community radio station. And I did uh, a first a music show and then I did a talk show after that. And then I started, I said, well, I, I was good at artwork when I was a 
in high school. I was really, people liked it. And I was, I know I can do that. And I, my thinking was, well, I could make some money with art and then use that to do my spiritual work because I wanted to help people and do spiritual sharing of what I learned from my studies and my inquiries and my seeking and all that stuff. Um, but I ended up just doing both at the same time. You know, I just kind of, uh, what, what happened was I eventually, over the years, I was seeing different teachers and getting involved with gurus and getting to know them and working with some of them. And um, uh, still doing a lot of reading and workshops and all, you know, I did a, a landmark education program. You know, this is, that's the, uh, I don't know, self-improvement thing. And there's a lot of different things that I did over a lot of years after I left Scientology. And then finally, um, and I was into astrology a lot and the Enneagram and various things to kind of understand uh, people's makeup. And I was doing readings for people and things like that. And then someone, a friend of mine around 2010 told me about human design and I got involved with that. And because I was thinking, oh no, another system, oh no. But I was interested, I was kind of curious. So I looked into it and then I kept hearing about this thing called Gene Keys, which is a branch off of human design, but it's uh, more of a, what's essential in it, and it's not as complicated. So I got involved with that in 2011 and I really landed something I think very valuable, not only for me, but it's a, it's a tool that I share with other people quite commonly when they come to me for advice and guidance. And I share that with them and it really helps them. And it does it does no atmosphere at all of being like a cult. It's just the opposite almost. It's just a way of looking at life. Now, human design is a little bit cultish in, in the way that people are about it, but not human design. I find the people in it are very heart-based, owning their own shadows and um, just a real high caliber of people that I really have gotten to know and love all around the world because I'm involved in it. You know, I do some posting with some stuff online with that and other things. So that's kind of my story there. <laughs> You're, but you have this such a, a multifaceted, you know, approach to your, your journey, your ascension journey, right? I think all of us kind of do that. We kind of look, are looking outside for a long time. And Looking then I think for answers. For me, I have to come into myself and I I connect to myself and I get answers from my higher self and I my own divine guidance. I stop seeking outside. But I went through deep phases of just what I call a sponge phase where I was just reading so much, you know, just looking for, for the answers. Yeah. And ultimately was directed back to myself. <laughs> Absolutely, me too. And that's the thing is taking what works and what aligns with my own sensibilities and what work, you know, what, what feels right to me and right. just integrating that into my own philosophy rather than, you know, joining some system or something. It's just like astrology. Uh, I don't really uphold any of these real systems as as a religion or as something to kind of, 
you know, um, practice or whatever, but I take what works in those systems and make it my own and, and embody it. And then I get to the point, like a musician does after they played a long time, where it just sort of starts to come through me, mm -hmm. you know, the insights. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to mention in, this, in that whole time period, because I was talking about my spiritual kind of stages, that at that time that I was, um, you know, li listening to uh, uh, Follow Your Bliss and that sort of stuff, I started doing art again. I went down to a art store in my local in Grass Valley, a local art store, and I said, I want to become a painter. And I didn't know how to paint because I hadn't done anything since high school. And so I said, sell me everything I need to buy, you know, the canvas, the brushes, the palette, the, you know, turpentine, everything I need to paint. Oil, oil painting. Oil painting. Mm -hmm. So he sold me a bunch of stuff and I did a painting and it was pretty lame. It was like a kind of a impression. All It was all blue. But it was different tones, kind of of just one one color, and it had a little ghosty picture of a dolphin in it. And I took it down to him, and he he was kind enough to say, "Oh, that's pretty good," you know. And it gave me that encouragement to move on. And then I I was painting dolphins and nothing but abstract dolphins for I don't know about a year or something, maybe a half a year. And I started branching out into other things, mm -hmm. and uh, doing I was doing canvas work, and then I got a uh, airbrush because i saw some artist that was doing this so soft stuff and i asked them the gallery said how do you do it he goes, well he he oil paints and then he does a little touch up with airbrush so i started doing that to give it more of an etheric feel because i had this kind of spiritual other dimensional um taste in what wanted to come through me what turned me on was this kind of uh visionary art you know so i was doing visionary art paintings of um, other dimensional stuff and it kind of developed over time um so that now i kind of have a it's almost a brand where people can recognize frequency signature in it it's a frequency yeah. if you read energy you can feel that you read the frequency you can feel the frequency of it it's very pure beautiful you're you're uh your art definitely is light encoded and touches people in a different way than just viewing a piece of art, you know. Obviously, you're, you're bringing through something very beautiful and divine in your work, which is what got my attention since I work with energy, read energy. You could feel the frequencies and I just kept being so drawn to your Images. Well, Judith Cassell, that's why I follow her on Facebook. <laughs> she uses a lot yeah. of your art in her in her posts, you know. So she shares them a lot. Yeah. She's from South Africa. Yeah. Very nice lady. I don't know her real well, but we've corresponded very briefly on Facebook. Yeah. So that's how I first, you know, heard heard of you or discovered your art. And What's interesting is there are certain things that I see, I see out on, I can, I, I'm a seer. So I see a lot of things happening on a cosmic level. And then I would look at some of your work and it would really reflect some of the things that I was seeing, you know, the frequency or the, I guess the codes, I could read the codes. 
is really, really uh, powerful. I was like, I have got to meet this guy. I'm going to have him on my podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm happy to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice to know I get to know you a little bit too. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, you know, all of these, a lot of artists are going now towards these more digital mediums and programs. Are you still doing a lot of your art, you know, with on canvas and airbrushing and how how has your art evolved from that to now? Well, some time ago, uh, I lost my home that I had that had an art studio in it. And I lost my studio and I was uh, living more low key and not having any kind of studio space. So all my uh, art supplies and everything went into boxes and storage and whatnot. And some friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, gave me a computer. And this was when the internet was uh, starting to develop in the late 90s. And so I got a scanner and I scanned in and I got Photoshop. I scanned in photos of my paintings into Photoshop and started doing little touch-ups and manipulations in Photoshop. And I've been doing that ever since. So mm-hmm. I still work somewhat with some of my original wow. uh, as, as resources to kind of play around with. Mm-hmm. And some of my drawings, like I, there's a lot of my drawings that have a lot of these curly Q kind of things in, in them. And that's all from a pen and ink drawing that I did actually when I was in high school. Are you <laughs> serious? Wow. It was a pen and ink drawing that I did. It was very intricate. And I never colored it in like the other ones. So I scanned it in and then reversed it in Photoshop so that the uh, black lines of the ink became white. And I deleted the background. And then I used that a lot of times in uh artworks that I do then it's it's because it kind of adds this uh I don't know kind of a trippy um feel to whatever I'm doing sometimes I do it it's a major feature and sometimes it's just kind of very much in the background but I and there's other things that I do too with original paintings that I bring into stuff that I do but a lot of it is um most of my stuff now is just manipulated uh, in Photoshop type stuff. Wow, that's pretty cool. Do you miss the actual, you know? Yes. Mixing the paint and putting it on canvas because and I, mean, I plan on doing that when I get another space to yeah. do that. Yeah. That's my goal for this next year is to get a space that I can. Uh, uh, I right now I'm living kind of low key. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did buy some land, but then I was going to develop it. But then I found out that the county in Nevada County is so strict, and California also, on all the rules, that it's it's a, a very extremely expensive and time intensive and energy intensive to build something off grid just from scratch. So I'm considering selling that. It's a beautiful, beautiful ten acres. Lovely tree, 10 acres, but I'm thinking of selling that and buying something that has a a house a dwelling already. Right. So I you have a starting point, right? You can set up and I can set up my gallery and yeah. I have ideas in my mind, you know, doing a lot of stuff with a kind of golden uh, leaf and metallics and other things uh, that I can kind of imagine that I can't do on the computer. 
but right now I'm actually working on some some more um, videos that have my artwork kind of dissolving from one to another and kind of doing little special effects with them That's to cool. music. Uh-huh. And I just did a 23-minute one with, uh, there was a, a job for someone else. It was a paid job. It's got a music and a narration. It's going to be released soon, kind of broadly, all around the world. And it got me kind of really on doing that again, which I had done a few years ago. And so now I have a lot of new material that I'm excited about bringing into making some more videos, which I've been working on, you know, every, you know, maybe every other day or everything, something like that um, for a while now. So was that like a private commission project? Someone commissioned you to create that body of work for them to incorporate into something they were doing or? Yes. It was something a team was working on uh, with a bunch of, uh, it was a big project actually. And there's a person that's narrating this kind of mm, transmission, kind of like, uh, you know, Patricia Cota Robles, she does this kind of ascension stuff. It's kind of like that. Wow. You must have met so many people. You've been, you know, in this for a long time. So you have probably... I have been. Since 1989, I've been doing artwork. And uh, I've met a lot of people in other countries and here in the United States. I I know quite a few people now. Um, And I have a pretty good reputation. I still don't make oodles of money, but I I enjoy it. And it's something that, you know, gets me by. You know, I've been... I get a lot of information from myself about my work and my purpose here. And it's always con- so consistent that it's really more important that we're in our alignment and we're in our mission and we're showing up in full integrity every day in our in our soul mission, our soul work. That is the priority. And you know, we're so programmed, right, to be successful and it has to look a certain way and it's got to, it involves um, hitting certain markers, income markers and this and that. And that's just the opposite information I get from myself. <laughs> just stay I think we're on the same page in that way. Stay in your okay. lane. I get that all the time. Stay in your lane. Don't look outside of your lane and your purpose you're right where you need to be you just stay here and you just keep going and you have no idea what's coming but beautiful things are coming you just trust that and keep going so that's that's where I focus you know is on my alignment always my alignment my knowing regardless of what the narrative is around me or or how people perceive me even you know it's like always in my alignment and that holds my frequency that allows everything to come the people the opportunities the work you know so that's kind of been my my focus is my alignment. I salute you on that and that's exactly the type of advice that I give people when sometimes people come to me because I have a thing on my website about guidance work that I do. And um, a lot of the issues that people are having 
uh, fall away when they get aligned with their higher purpose and they're contributing what they're meant they're here to be doing. You know, they're 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 falling into that alignment that you're talking about, and they're on purpose and they're uh, uh, in service with those skills that are their inborn natural born skills and right. talents. And a lot of people may get confused around the money thing. Now, wealth is one thing and wealth accumulation. And that's what a lot of people think is where it's at. And then oh, they, I get a lot of money, then I can do whatever I want, you know. But it doesn't really work that way. It's more like, it's kind of like a drug in a way where you think, oh, this is going to give me a feel good. But then after a while, it starts to creep in some negative stuff. And yeah. that wealth accumulation becomes problematic over time. And it's hard for people to, unless they are aligned with their uh, purpose, like you're talking about. And when they focus on that and let that develop over time, then the problems that they're having in life often just fall away. And the money does start coming in the right amounts. I think there's two things to that. One is I found in working with my clients and on my own path, anytime you have an attachment to anything, that that thing controls you. Whether yeah. it's money, love, relationship, food, alcohol, drugs, sex, Whatever it is that you have have an, a need and attachment to controls you. So until you can release all of your attachments, cut all those cores, and bring all your energy back in, you're going to be driven by that manipulation and control of that thing external to you always. Yeah. And then when you're in it, you're going to defend that behavior you know, you'll die on your sword for it to defend your behavior because you're blind. That's your blind spot. And that's, that's the thing that takes you down. And I, I found also that's the thing that keeps people stuck in their higher ascension. They in their what? The, their higher ascension, they they hit a plateau because they the blind oh. spot is there and it's holding them. It's pinning them yeah. to that frequency. And yeah, if right. you don't see it, you can't heal it. You don't see it. You don't even know it's there. And so I found that that keeps a lot of people pinned, literally pinned in their ascension and that they can't go higher and they start to feel stuck, but they don't know how to go further. You know? Yeah. So that's, that was one thing, but also I feel like a lot of us who who do um, this kind of work, there has been this this myth that to be spiritual you have to have suffering, or to be spiritual you can't have abundance. You know that somehow I know a lot of spiritual people, healers, and people who are in service that don't feel worthy of abundance. And I just don't believe that's true. I believe if you are aligned, you're in your lane and that doesn't control you. If, if you're in a healthy and aligned space energetically with your soul, you can have abundance and a beautiful life and travel and all the things. 
And that does not make you a non-spiritual person, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Yeah, you know, to add to that, I, I'm with you on all that. And that it's like when people are trying to make money in order to get something, kind of, it's, it's like trying to get something from the life rather than that alignment, that inner alignment and that being on purpose, which is more about letting something, letting light come through you from source out into the world. So there's a di different direction. When that happens, you get the reflection from that giving of bouncing back yes. with receiving, with the abundance and the, and then and I look at it as based on a person's design, meaning their psychological, astrological makeup, they're going to get whatever is um, necessary for their a ability to fulfill their purpose. Yes. Some people, it's like a lot, millions of dollars. Some people, it's not. But it's always going to be enough. Right. Enough to be able to fulfill your yeah. role in life. Yes. And be comfortable at it, you know. Yes. And it's, sometimes it involves money. Sometimes it's money and opportunities and connections and gifting and other other forms than just money. But uh, it usually in this culture here we have, it usually involves money and having enough money to fulfill your purpose. Right. And it's a matter of getting clear on what your purpose is right. and then being that because it involves being and then doing to support the being. Well, I think to embody your yourself is the first thing to embody yourself at source, to embody your truth. And that re requires people to shed and release all the false things that they hold on to, that define them, that they feel they need to be. You have to release everything that's false within you. And this process is a very, very intense, I would say, shedding of density in your life. And it can really bring you to your knees. This isn't a beautiful, glorified process, finding your connection to source and God. It is a complete self-destructive process where you completely have to break down into that chrysalis, like that caterpillar to nothing, to get to your core essence, your core truth, your core soul, and let all of the other things go. There's so many programs that are running in the background that are controlling and manipulating people to be something they're not. And once you can peel all that garbage away, process and release it, trauma, I mean, there's so much, right? Ancestral trauma, all those things, when you can actually break them all, break them all down and heal the inner wounds from those programs and attachments, I think only then can you gain clarity on who you are and why you're here? You cannot Absolutely. do your, you, know, you can't step into your alignment and purpose until you do that work, which is a uh, humanity is being pushed so hard right now to come forward. Those of us who are here to come forward and play a role, if you have not been doing your work until this point, you are going to be pushed so hard right now your world is going to be collapsing 
the world as you know it is going to collapse because everything that is not aligned is being sheared away. Yeah, I agree. It's time to really activate and be who we are meant to be, what our potential is, what our role is, align with our purpose and source. And then I think we'll be able to navigate successfully these uh, coming hard times. And like I say, it's not just hard times for no reason. It's here to birth us into a new octave of a species of humanity and life on Earth. It's going to be more sustainable and more aligned, not one that's so off base like it is now. It's so far depart. It's a kind of a needs to uh, collapse in order to uh, have that phoenix rising of a new, a new uh, chapter. 100%. The actual chaos is the breakdown of everything that doesn't support the law of one, unity consciousness, um, higher frequency, higher dimensional new earth. Everything is being, is breaking down. You have to break it all down because these structures don't align so that we can rebuild and bring in new architectural foundations, you know, and everything. Yeah. Finance, government, education, you know, the, our entire paradigm is being completely going through a massive transition and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be ugly to witness. And we're also running on a couple parallel timelines right now. There's been like a bifurcation of time and timelines and almost, I would say a trifurcation of time and timelines because many souls are kind of aligning with the timeline and frequency and direction they're going to go. Not every soul is meant to ascend and go into the new earth experience. There are going to be a lot of transitions, a lot of transitions for people and humanity. There's going to be, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it in natural disaster die-offs. We're seeing it in war die-offs. We're seeing it in disease die-offs. We're, we're in a massive time of transition absolutely for sure but it's important that we stay in our alignment and not get sucked into this chaos and the world is ending narrative because it's not it's just beginning it's being birthed yeah yeah that's why it's more important than ever to uh to do the work like you said and it involves shadow work you know facing what needs to be faced and focusing on that uh, that purpose and all those things that you've been mentioning. I wanted to ask you, you know, as we kind of come to the close of our time, it went so fast. Gosh, Daniel, our time went so quick. It's almost... huh. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, what have been the, the things that have helped to keep you in your alignment and, and allow you to be such a beautiful channel for this, these energies and frequencies to come through in your art? What are some of the things you do to, you know, when you're working and you're getting some, you know, transmission through or download through, what are the things that support you remaining as that kind of pure channel for that coming through into your art? Well, the creativity is relatively accessible. Uh, usually it's kind of called out of me from life, from others, meaning someone will 
to contact me and say, I want to, I want you to do a book cover for me, or I want you to do uh, like this video that I did with all my art. It was a 20, almost a 24 minute video. And uh, then it, it kind of gets the juices going. <laughs> and, uh, and then I get into like lots of different, you know, creative works. But uh, sometimes I do it just on my own. It's not the creativity. The thing that is uh, challenging sometimes for me, though, is getting my energy up. Uh, and I do those things. Sometimes I go in and out of them. I haven't always been that good about keeping my frequency that high. And those things are meditation, like daily meditation. Uh, yoga, when I can have a yoga studio nearby. I love the hot yoga because I like the sweating and it feels like it's really cleansing my whole system. And I like the, the poses too, you know, the hot yoga, Bikram yoga. And uh, exercise is important, walking in nature. Um, I like something I do, which is calling friends that I haven't talked to in a long time, which is keeping that relational connection and community alive even though I've been kind of isolated in the wilderness here, I, I make phone calls sometimes. And that kind of perks me up when I talk to old friends. I get this nice feedback, whether or not they speak it or not. I can just feel it, that they feel um, touched and happy that I thought of them and reached out to them to, you know, just to catch up for no reason even, just to talk yeah. to them, you know. And it's for me, I don't know if that works for everyone. I think the other things work for everyone. They're pretty universal. Exercise, meditation, uh, good diet is important, really uh, a, a, a real um, clean diet, you know, meaning organic and, and uh, all those types of um, things are really important because the food, the soil and everything is just really horrifying in it affects our holistic being if our body is uh, contaminated with a lot of toxins yes. so we got to do you know cleanse ourselves with i do cleanses and fasts and things every now and then because it's, it's important to do even if i'm eating healthy which i'm not always perfect at but i'm way better than most people and certainly better than the mainstream diet that's out there but i think that's important is to have a pure clean diet and to do all those types of practices. Uh, creativity is a good one. It doesn't matter what form. Right. It could be anything. And gardening, oh my God, gardening and being out in the with yeah. nature yes. and being on animals and stuff is like so healthy because nature is role modeling, being in alignment with source. Nature <laughs> is so organically perfect, right? It doesn't overanalyze its growth process or its yeah. nutrients or its sun, you know, how much sun it's, you know, everything just blooms and grows so organically. And we can definitely learn from nature because, you know, I think a big part of our, I love all those things you mentioned, by the way, they're all such beautiful tools and um, ways to stay aligned. Right. But I think, I think as a whole, humanity needs to get out of their minds, step out of their minds and live through their cosmic heart to not 
overthink and analyze, but, you know, again, so much of it is unwinding all of that programming and that limiting beliefs and the narratives and the stories and all the things. There's just so much work. A lot of people just don't want to do it. And I realized not everybody is meant to ascend this lifetime. And it's okay. You know, a lot of people will take the early exit. A lot of people will just maybe build a foundation and not go any higher, but they are receiving what they need. So when they transition and come back, they will be able to then ascend further from that point. So, you know, I think it's important that we allow everybody their process and not judge it. Absolutely. Yeah, the other thing that, that the other element that I think is really important to continuing that expansion process, the ascension process, is contribution to others. And that can be animals, could be nature, could be life, could be people, uh, mm -hmm. could be whatever it is. But and but that that gets tricky because people think, oh, but I did that and then I fell on my face. It's like, well, there's steps that you have to take of taking care of yourself first and getting your own house in order and cleaned. And then from that really healthy, holistically healthy being, state of being, then you contribute and let the, the, the light of God or source come through you to others. And yeah. that is like really the bottom line or the, the right. real crux of having success in an incarnation. And being really living one's potential. If one is still real self-absorbed, self-involved, and always, even if they're being very spiritual and doing some of the spiritual practice, if they're still all about me, all about me and my well-being, it's it, it they reach that ceiling you talked about. They don't go further because the further involves a, a kind of a trans transmutation. And it doesn't, you can't force it. It's like puberty. You can't force puberty. It happens in this organic kind of natural way by doing the work that you alluded to. You also can't fake it. And then you and then you outgrow that kind of work on yourself where you're contributing to others, helping other people. When that, that can look a million different ways. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are looking for their life purpose, but their life purpose, you know, they think it has to be this huge thing. Your life purpose is to be you, the fullest expression of you. That's yeah. your life purpose because you're, you already have the architecture and imprint and the archetype for that. That's why you're here is to be the fullest expression of you in all things. Right. And you're going to find that thing and it might just be something that you feel is menial, like you love to bake pies and you share your codes through pies or food or, you know, you you love taking care of little children. I mean, there are so many noble and important missions on the planet. And they you all... Know that thing, you know, that's so true. Like with pies or anything, you know, one's making jewelry, one's making pies, one's cooking, one's doing this. It's the love that you bring into that, that then you bless other people with it. Yeah. That's the main event is that love that's getting shared through the, the other things are just secondary. They're just incidental. 
they're yeah. the means by which you achieve the essence of that of that sharing your love of yourself your being with life and that 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 what you said was about the main event being yourself and your gifts your qualities that's kind of one of the basic cruxes of both human design and the gene keys which is to get oneself clear and exalted so to speak meaning living their potential by the shedding like you talk about and the transformation of the lower frequencies into the higher octaves and that sort of stuff so that you can do just that so that your your being you are the main event you are your purpose the purpose of life is to be the best you you can be and to give of yourself the qualities that you are or that come through you to life and that's it you know and that can be maybe further specified but that's the crux of it you know i could say well maybe sharing music or sharing art or sharing uh guidance work and psychology or spirituality or now there's a lot of different ways that it can show up but the crux of it is what you said it's it's you each person is the, their own purpose yeah. or being being their exalted self and sharing it is the purpose exactly exactly well, i want to thank you so much it was so wonderful having you here i appreciate your time and appreciate you saying yes and I always ask at the end, you know, if you have any words of wisdom you want to share before we sign off with the audience, the listeners. Well, if there's any people that do feel guided that want to contact me, I'm always happy to uh, receive and uh, share. I do not charge for my guidance work. I, I, I make money with the artwork. And so they can visit my website if they want to, uh, you know, if they feel inspired to connect with me. I'd be pleased to have them come and, uh, you know, basically I just listen and then we have a conversation kind of like what yeah. we're having here, but it's really more, more focused on them. And uh, it's at awakenvisions.com, which you can maybe put in. A, I will put that on the video and I will also put it in comments for our audio podcast um, and all your other contact information for social media and way they ways they can follow you and reach you. I encourage all of you to check out his work. It is so, so powerful. It's uh, thank you. And I thank, thank you, you very much for, for joining me today. It's been a wonderful conversation. And to my audience, thank you so, so much for for being with me on this ride. It's been, I can't believe so many years, four or five years now with the podcast. So thank you for staying with me. I am actually going to be giving a free copy of my um, audio book, Finding the Path of Me Away. All you have to do is take a picture of you or screenshot you listening to my podcast and the path of me and i will enter you into a drawing for a you know tag me on social media which is at mama hutch 47 or you can put it on facebook it's just uh, alinea life coaching just tag me and i will 
I'll be doing a drawing to get a free audiobook version of my book out to you. Also, you guys can leave me a voice message and I'd love to incorporate that in my um, future podcasts. So I'll leave a link in comments if you guys would love to like to leave me a voice message. I love to create the community and have more interaction with y'all. So I hope you guys have a beautiful day and love yourselves and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye.